0: Hello, welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge that makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Chen, and welcome to Lazada Insider. Today, we're going to talk about cultural nuances when going digital in Southeast Asia. This episode is part of our digital marketing series. As we know, cultural elements is critical in marketing and communications as the way consumers interpret or respond to communication will be highly influenced by their own cultural context. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by expert guest Erza from Industry Platform. He is a co-founder and CEO and leads the firm enterprise technology consulting practice. Over the years, he worked with clients across sectors to assess Plans and execute commercializations strategy for their homegrown company in Southeast Asia. Hi, Azar. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Hi, Chen. Thank you very much for having me.
1: First of all, could you introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your company?
0: All right. Uh, Thank you, Chen. Uh, I think you've done me justice by your, your introduction to myself. As you mentioned, um, I run an industry platform and I run the uh, technology consulting uh, business for our team. So what we do effectively is we, we advise firms in this part of the world, in Southeast Asia specifically, on their growth strategies. So anything to do with growth, growth and how you use technology and innovation to uh, support that growth. So as you mentioned, we work with um, companies in this part of the world. We, we break it down into four categories, government agencies, technology solution providers, telecommunication companies, as well as enterprises who are end users of these technologies.
1: Thanks for the intro. Let's kickstart today's discussion by setting some context first. So when we talk about cultural nuances in Southeast Asia, could you share with us some examples of it?
0: Okay. um, I, I think this is the first question that most of our uh, stakeholders or even like our clients speak to us about, and it depends on the level of maturity. So I think, Taking a step back, uh, there's been a lot of interest in Southeast Asia, especially because of the demographics as well as the strong economic growth over the last, I would say, five to ten years. It, it's become a very, very hot uh, area for for investors as well as it's just become top of the mind for a lot of people globally. So, but when people look at Southeast Asia, you know, it, it's people. I think tend to forget that this is a region of what 660 uh, million people, and it's not uniform. right? Um, we speak many languages. Um, one thing people don't know is that in, uh, Southeast Asia has the largest Muslim country in the world. So the largest Muslim com- country in the world is Indonesia. It's not a, it's somewhere in the Middle East. right? So I, I think setting the groundwork for that, th- that's what we need to take into account when we look at cultural differences within Southeast Asia. Um, certain, certain things that you need to take a look at as well is demographics. Right? Um, spending power. So in Southeast Asia, you have Singapore, which is one of the highest GDP per capita uh, countries in the world. Uh, but a large part of Southeast Asia, uh, as I mentioned, 663 million. Singapore only accounts for 5.7 million of that population which, with the high GDP or the high uh, consumer spending power. Right, uh, the rest of Southeast Asia are still developing countries, and I think people have to be aware of that as well. So, so those are the things I would I would say you know for for people to take note uh, what are the cultural differences what are the different languages what are the different spending powers as well as demographics so demographics being in singapore for example i think the average age is some uh, for the median age of the population in singapore is about 42 whereas in younger countries you have uh, vietnam or you have a uh, myanmar or even a uh, cambodia where the median age is in the mid to low 20s
1: Sure. Let's dig dive uh, into it a bit more. So for businesses who are expanding their footprint in Southeast Asia, why is understanding cultural differences so important for them?
0: I I think uh, that's a fantastic question Chen. In terms of looking at businesses who are expanding in Southeast Asia, I would break it down very rudimentarily into two categories, uh, B2C companies as well as B2B companies, right? Um, So in the B2B space where marketing is more targeted, uh, it's more specific, it's less mass, um, a lot of the marketing or, or a lot of the growth strategies would involve understanding local nuances. You know, uh, In the B2B space, there's a lot more interactions. There's a lot more personalization. So how do you sit in front of somebody um, Whether it's in the digital space or in the physical space, right? Uh, How how do you sit in front of them and how do you talk about your solution or your products to them, right? Uh, In the B2C space, a lot of it is branding as well. And because of, you know, recently because of COVID, a lot of people are shifting towards uh, digital means to promote themselves, their companies, their brands. And it's been quite effective as well. But again, when you talk about cultural nuances, uh, it's something that all marketers have to take note about right? Um, I'll give you another example. I mentioned earlier about uh, Indonesia being the largest Muslim country in the world, right? So uh, an understanding of um, practices, norms, um, cultural Thresholds of of acceptance with regards to certain products or certain values, I think is very very important for both B two B and B two C companies. B two C companies, I think, have to be a bit more careful because you know you're you're marketing to a mass audience. In the B two B space, you might you, you don't want to say things which might uh, offend the person sitting in front of you or your potential prospect as well. So I I think that's that's something that people definitely have to take more awareness around. Uh, one thing in the B2B space, because that's where I operate mainly, um, tone and hierarchy. Different countries in Southeast Asia have different respect for hierarchy. Right? So when I go out for meetings in Southeast Asia, for example, my team will prepare a, a lot of meeting notes to, to even how to pronounce names correctly. How, what kind of salutations to use. Because in, in Thailand, you use different salutations. In uh, Malaysia, you use different salutations. Indonesia, you use different salutations, which is also a function of title, how, where they sit within the organizational hierarchy, as well as age. So I think in the digital sphere, it's a lot harder to do that. You know, You, you cannot say... For example, Mr. I can call you Mr. Chen. I can call you Pak Chen in Indonesia. I can call you Kun Chen in Thailand. Uh, so I think these are the kind of things uh, that people need to take aware of when growing the business in Southeast Asia.
1: Sure. I think you have mentioned quite a lot of different aspects of culture that we need to take note of. So for example, salutations, value, uh, spending power, demographic, etc. So for businesses, what are some of the key aspects that they really need to focus on to expand their footprint in Southeast Asia?
0: I think the easiest and and this is, I think, the golden business rule, right, is to understand your consumers or your customers in this case. So if, for example, um, I'm I'm a technology solution company looking to sell into manufacturing companies in Indonesia, um, how do I do it, right? So I would say, you know, everything all your campaigns, the way you plan it from start to end, uh, need to take into account the customer needs. You cannot, it's very, I, I know there's a lot of product led growth that's happening today, but uh, I, I think there's a, there's a very, very big imperative in Southeast Asia, at least, that you understand the customers you are reaching out to, right? And customers within different countries as well. In Southeast Asia, you cannot look at it as a block. Right. In Indonesia, you've got to have a different marketing strategy. In Thailand, you've got to have a different marketing strategy. And in Singapore, you've got to have a different marketing strategy as well. So I I think that's the main consideration, right? Uh pick your markets, understand the your prospects or your customers within each market, and then build a campaign around it.
1: Cool. Actually, I think that leads nicely to my next questions. So how can we balance like what you're trying to do, brand purpose or brand identity? With the local nuances that we had discovered, like what the consumers, what your consumer needs and want, how can we balance it in, the, in our communications?
0: Yeah, I, I think this is uh, the million dollar question, right? Because um, it depends on the, the starting point of each company. Because let's say a Jollibee, a Jollibee is a, a Filipino fast food company, they have more brand awareness in, say, the Philippines or even in Southeast Asia. right? It's it's Southeast Asian native. But then for a technology company which has grown well in the US and then lo- looking to break into the Southeast Asian space, I think balancing brand identity with uh, customer needs becomes a little bit more complex. Right, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's like fast food restaurants in this part of the world. They've operated in in Southeast Asia for what 20, 30 years. I remember McDonald's coming into Singap uh, into Singapore when I was very young. Uh, you have this the entire idea of go global, think local, mm-hmm. is something that's always been present for for the last twenty to thirty years. But in the space of commercialization today, you know, you know for example, in the software space. Um, you're not going to create a different uh, software for Southeast Asia versus the rest of the world, right? It's a lot harder. It's easier to create, I don't know, uh, McDonald's specials nasi lemak burger in Singapore versus uh, creating like uh, a bit of software that's a little bit different for Southeast Asia because it goes against the principle. So I I think companies overseas, um, they have to decide uh, the level of customization and customization doesn't have to come on the product side it can come on the marketing communication side. And I think that's what they need to do, right? Um, they, they just need to be very, very aware of the local markets, what the customers want within that market, and how do I effectively communicate this in my marketing communications campaign?
1: I think you have mentioned this many times previously, saying that, of course, Southeast Asia is a region, but there are multiple countries with 660 million consumers. So let's go into the individual country level. So could you please share with a couple of top cultural considerations for each of the maybe six key Southeast Asia markets? Maybe we start with Malaysia?
0: Yeah, Um, Malaysia is actually a a country that I'm fairly familiar with. I started my career um, actually covering uh, Malaysia. I spent a lot of time there and uh, I understand the language. and I understand the culture as well as the the religion, right, Uh, coming from a Muslim background as well. Uh, So that made it a bit easier for me, I guess. So for example, during uh, Ramadan, the month of Ramadan in uh, Malaysia, uh, which is one month every year, you know, where the Muslims fast, they don't eat from uh, morning until evening. Uh, Most restaurants are actually shut um, during lunch. So, So I think that's sensitivity that you need to take into account. So when you do business meetings, um, Mm. when let's say a client offers you water, do you drink the water? Of course you can. Uh, What I'm saying is I think they are sensitive to to their visitors as well, but what's the right way to do it? I I don't think there's a hard and fast rule around that as well. Uh, Another thing about Malaysia, and I think I speak for the rest of Southeast Asian nations as well, it's difficult to determine intent. You know, intent is a key factor in marketing, right? Um, Service agents generally, we are we are really friendly. We are really really open. Uh, we smile a lot, um, and we are very open to have new meetings, right? Uh, in Malaysia, when I when I was covering Malaysia back then, and even in business today, uh, what a lot of uh, my clients tell me as well is it's very very difficult to uncover real intent. You know, because you sit in a meeting and you think, wow, it was a great meeting, but then, you know, the purchase decision could be pushed back and it could take months and months before anything goes through. That is if it does in the first place. So I think those are the two main considerations for Malaysia, right? Um, One is the religion, uh, how people behave, and two is obviously intent when it comes to uh, buying decisions. Sure. How about other countries, maybe Philippines? Uh Philippines is an, is an interesting uh market as well. Uh I remember going go, making my first trip uh to the Philippines I think back in uh a business trip part of this firm back in uh 2016 2017 and we were for example negotiating for to to rent a venue uh for for us to host one of our activities. And I I remember being struck by how serious they were very very quickly with regards to discussing uh, financials or commercials um and i was taken back at first because i thought um it's very un- unusual from my u- usual experiences with uh, you know um, activities in malaysia or even in indonesia where you know the the whole building uh small talk first you know talking about different things and then negotiations are expected to be a bit more drawn out in malaysia and indonesia whereas in philippines it's it's people get straight to the point a bit more um one thing as well that in in philippines that i i strongly suggest everybody to do is to understand the the local uh i don't know what's hot locally uh this year for example we weren't traveling but you know all our clients all our philippines Filipino stakeholders were super excited when they won their first gold ma- gold medal in the Olympics. You know, it was a massive celebration and there's a lot of national pride there.
1: Cool. Last but not least, so do you have any other specific advices or things to share for other countries?
0: Uh, yeah, I think I would take it, take it from a perspective of the entire Southeast Asian region. Um, and this is aligned with what we tell most of our clients uh, looking to enter this space. And we try to break it down into two segments. So one would be an, a Southeast Asian company who's looking to grow outside of their home market in Southeast Asia. Uh, for that for that specific group of companies, I would say, you know, if you are based, for example, in uh, Singapore, every other country in the re- region is roughly... Uh, Maximum, what, four-hour flight away? Philippines is is the the furthest place that we fly into, right? Uh, Into Manila. Um, Explore markets with an open mind because I have seen a lot of startups in Southeast Asia fail in their home market, but actually be able to grow outside of their home market. And growing outside of their home market then gives them a platform to scale throughout the rest of southeast asia so for native startups in southeast asia that's one piece of advice i would like to give you know because most of us put ourselves in a box if i'm a singapore startup i should only focus on i don't know building a minimum minimum viable product or proof of concept that works within singapore but if you have if you look at markets like even across the causeway in malaysia or you know take a one hour flight away to jakarta uh, a whole new world opens up to you um, obviously, you need to learn what to do, but a whole new world opens up to you. For companies, international companies who are looking into Southeast Asia, my my piece of advice to them would be identify the markets that you want to break into, and this is especially true in the B two B space, right? Because I've all too often I've seen uh, I've I've had conversations with startups from let's say Europe, or even uh, recently we had a conversation mm-hmm. with a startup out of the U.S. and they say, you know what? Southeast Asia, 663 million. How do I break into it? That's a very, very broad question. And, and, you know, we can talk about the 200 odd million people in Indonesia, or we can talk about the 400,000 people in Brunei. <laughs> and it would be vastly different the way you, you plan a strategy around it, right? So people, but most of the time when people look at Southeast Asia, they look at either Singapore as a regional hub or they look at Indonesia as a consumer market. Right, um, but don't forget we have Thailand, we have Philippines, one of the fastest growing uh, economic countries in the world. Uh, we have Vietnam and we have Malaysia as well. So, the, take a step back and understand the, the markets or your value proposition within each of the markets, and then choose the one where you have the lowest hanging fruit.
1: Cool, and that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for your great sharing,
0: Azar. Thank you very much, Chen. It was a pleasure. This is the zana Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, take care.
1: La zana.